it's such an obvious thing to do. If you're going to be in the trades, get your apprenticeship going. It's easy. Looks good on the resume and, and opens a lot of doors. If you haven't supported apprenticeship in the past, now's the time to get in there. There's a financial reason to jump in right now, and it really allows you to grow with your team. A lot of people that have come through our trades program over the years, they've gone on not just to have successful careers, but even start their own businesses. Sometimes those apprentices will end up being your best people in the positions that you need to fill down the road. So it's a long-term investment. Hello, and welcome to Inside Construction, a podcast from the British Columbia Construction Association. I'm your host, Chris Atchison, president of the BCCA. We're bringing you this podcast series as part of our advocacy work, seeking to highlight the key issues affecting employers in BC's construction industry. We'll meet industry insiders, stakeholders, and professionals who are committed to the construction sector and the topics that need our attention. With their help, we'll shed some light on what's working, what isn't, and how private and public sector stakeholders can come together to ensure that BC's industry has what it needs to get the job done on time, on budget, and with the world-class outcomes we all expect. Today we're talking about apprenticeship, the benefits, challenges, and nuances. About two-thirds of our workforce is over the age of 45 and thinking about retirement. We have a projected workforce shortage of about 5,600 people. And there are extraordinary demands on our industry to build more, build faster, and build cheaper, even as costs of labor and materials skyrocket. So workforce development is a big, important topic. In an industry that employs about 170,000 tradespeople, apprenticeship ultimately makes or breaks us. It's complicated, though, because for an employer, an apprentice is a major investment. They learn on the job. You have to assign a journey person to oversee them, and that slows the journey person down. You have to let that apprentice off work to do their technical training at a post-secondary training provider. Maybe they have to travel for that training seat, live in another town for a bit. So as an employer, you really want to know that this person is going to be worth the investment and the risk. And it's complicated for the apprentice too, because they can't be an apprentice until they have a job. It's not like a university degree, say where you get the degree first and then the job. In apprenticeship, the job comes first. And that employer needs to be willing to sponsor you. And the apprentice has to navigate all kinds of choke points and vulnerabilities along the way. For example, they can lose a job if a project ends or an employer goes out of business. Or they can lose an apprenticeship sponsor if the journey person assigned to them changes employment and there is no one else to step in. Or life pressures and financial responsibilities can make it hard to sit in the classroom. Especially if there are no training seats available in your town and you have to travel and live somewhere else. That's a lot to take on, and it's a lot to address in one episode, but we're going to try. Colm Condon is an independent contractor and Red Seal carpenter, but his journey into the trades was a bit unconventional. I started with a science degree and eventually two science degrees and was in environmental biological science field for 20 years. After working in the sciences for 20 years, 
Colum decided he needed to make a change. There were a few catalysts, if I'm being honest. Uh, it was my father passing away um, about 2010. And then me sort of thinking about the shortness of life and how much longer I wanted to sit in an office uh, at a desk, which was, you know, a good stable job working for the government, but wasn't very fulfilling. It's certainly a tough decision to make. It was uh, a bit nerve wracking. And after that, it was exhilarating and, and freeing. Colum freed himself from desk work and began work in the trades almost immediately. At first, he wasn't sure if this would be a short-term endeavor or a full-time career change. But regardless, he took a risk and tackled the challenges head-on. It's tough when you start out in a new field to be incompetent, to be there on the site and be the worst at the job. It's not good for your ego. I mean, maybe it is good for your ego, but it's tough on the ego. I found that to be the biggest challenge, to go from being a, you know, an expert in an area to being an absolute non-expert. I didn't have a problem with the physical side of it. Uh, I've always been physical, you know, play sports, hike, and all that stuff. But I did find it over the course of, you know, months, uh, it could become exhausting in a deeper way, uh, just like the office can become exhausting in a deeper way. But I honestly was happy to be exhausted physically. I don't know how to describe it, but when you're sitting in an office for years, feeling fidgety, having excess energy, uh, the feeling of having drained myself physically was uh, overall a positive feeling, as long as I didn't go too far <laughs> beyond the limit. Along the way, Colum had mentors that helped make his transition a little easier. I knew that I needed a mentor and, and I needed to be in the right environment. So uh, at the beginning, uh, on the, uh, in the new construction, uh, there was a very experienced framer I worked with who, you know, taught me a lot of stuff. Um, and in the uh, second company I worked with, uh, the contractor had plenty of experience with renovations. And also there was always a, uh, a lead carpenter who I worked under. So, yeah, I, there was always somebody there. To learn from. And I, and I always found, you know, lead hands willing to teach. You have to be eager to learn, but they were always uh, willing to teach. So I never had a, a problem that way. I was fortunate to have mentors all the way along. Colum says his experience transitioning into the trades was generally positive, And much of that had to do with his decision to participate in an apprenticeship. Personally, it's such an obvious thing to do. If you're going to be in the trades, even if you're just thinking about it, even if you just do it for a year, get your apprenticeship going, it's easy. You're going to learn all sorts of stuff that will give you a step up on the work site. And at the end of it, you possibly, if you take it far enough, you get a red seal, which looks good on the resume and, and opens a lot of doors. Every student I've seen, or 99% of the students I've seen, come out a better carpenter. You know, you learn so much stuff in such a short period of time. So it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. That like compared to going to do a degree, you know, where there's no, you don't get paid to go to school. There's no guarantees of work after. You learn all sorts of stuff that you're never going to use. And it takes four years, four years of actual four full years of looking at textbooks. You know, this is six weeks at a time. So I, I don't know. It's a no brainer to me. Colum eventually decided to commit to a career in the trades. That was about eight years ago. And today he's happy he made the switch. But I had to ask, does he wish he made it earlier? I was just on a path that was honestly laid out before me. 
I went straight from high school to university. I had good grades in high school, so it would be insane to not go to university. That was kind of the the feeling. And it wasn't until many years later that it sort of became a a feasible possibility for me or something I could do that wouldn't kind of let my parents down, you know. I would encourage anybody who's feeling a bit wary about going to university to take at least a year off and go do something else, go do some other kind of work, do something maybe that's the opposite of, of what's been laid out for you. Certainly, if you have a passion for an area at that young age, that's the time to explore your passion. Absolutely. Get out there. you got all the time in the world. You don't have any responsibilities, really. But I would certainly encourage myself and anybody at that point to follow your your gut instincts or, or what really resonates with you at that age. So in, in fairness and without any um, insensitivity intended, almost the opposite of what you did. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. You only get one life, right? So I'm making all sorts of mistakes through this journey. <laughs> While Colum may have taken a somewhat unconventional path into the trades, many of the sentiments he expressed allude to bigger issues within our society. University is still widely considered the only viable choice for a successful career, even though we know that a one-size-fits-all approach to education is no approach at all. Construction is still considered a consolation prize for students who won't qualify for university. The average age of a first-year apprentice in BC is 27, and 85% of BCCA's Women in Trades participants hold some academic student debt before they finally come to apprenticeship. Lisa Lacey has been in the construction industry for 20 years, but before she got her start, she also felt pressure to pursue a formal post-secondary education. So... From my family, I'm the first person to not get a university degree. The rest of the people in my family have two degrees. I dropped out of university pretty quickly when I recognized that the professors had been there for 30 years and weren't holding on to that kind of real life experience. I went to a trades training school and did a diploma program instead where I was dealing with teachers who had that real life experience. Today, she's the business manager at Lacey Construction in DeRoche, BC. The company is a licensed home builder in the province, primarily working on custom homes and residential renovations. I think if we're looking at barriers for going to university and going into trades, it's it's night and day. So our Red Seal carpenter, Rachel, earns more than her husband, who's a full-time teacher, and she does not have university debt. So I think if we're looking at kind of a university career versus trades career, it's an opportunity to earn money right away. Certainly there are barriers, but much less than university and carrying a crippling student debt. And I think it's great to not have to go back to school for years at a time. So you can go back to school for six weeks, which is great, depending on your trade. And that makes it easier for somebody who's looking at, you know, caring for children, caring for their parents, things like that. It's more attainable. You're also covered by employment insurance during that time. And if you wanted to pursue, you know, a university degree down the line, you'll be able to pay for it then after your time in trades or it's something you can do on the side. When I talk to younger women in high school, I often talk about it's the fastest way to own your own business as well. If, say you're a welder and you've built up that experience and now you're a one-man show charging $150 an hour to come fix our excavator, things like that. 
The list of benefits to completing an apprenticeship doesn't end there. Construction schedules are conducive to off-hours recreational activities, and let's face it, most boats in BC marinas are probably owned by tradespeople. Success in the trades is lucrative and can be a ticket to the ideal work-life balance. We are blessed to live in the Fraser Valley where we can golf, fish, hike, snowboard all in the same day, depending on the weather. So definitely having those opportunities to work hard and play hard are important to our team. We make a point of doing a ski weekend once a year up at Hemlock where we're thankful to rent a duplex that we built. Uh, We're thankful to golf together. And all of those opportunities come from being in trades. We also have a hiking club that goes out every Wednesday you know, we're, we're not commuting long hours to work. We're not driving three hours into the downtown core and driving out three hours. We're able to kind of knock off of work, go for a hike, go hang out, hang out with the office dog who's sleeping here beside me. It really is for us important to retain that family feel because we are working for other families. So just that, that balance for us is important. Lisa tells me that Lacey Construction currently has 20 apprentices across four trades. She says that the company has been able to build long-term relationships with their employees, in part due to supporting them through apprenticeship. I think there is a lack of awareness of the benefits of having apprentices on your team. I do see in Canadian Home Builders, some of our membership don't put their people through apprenticeships and they're not aware of all the great benefits. So not just having an apprentice on your team and kind of building that long-term relationship, but also the financial benefits. So the tax credits that you get as an employer and now the apprenticeship training grants, those are not small dollars, but we still have probably 50% of our workforce come to us from other construction companies that have not sponsored them. 50%. That's a big number. We'll get into some of the benefits Lisa mentioned a little later on, but first, I want to explain the sponsorship process. If you didn't already know, employers have to sponsor an employee to go through an apprenticeship in BC. The employer registers their employee as an apprentice with Skilled Trades BC, formerly known as the Industry Training Authority, or ITA. However, there are challenges that can prohibit employers from taking on this responsibility. Tara O'Connell is a recruiter and marketing manager for Wacon Manufacturing in Penticton, BC. They're known as a one-stop solution for industrial components, equipment, and machinery. We've been 35 years in business, and um, our first apprentice that we took on was a machinist. And, and that would have been over 30 years ago. So throughout the years, we've always seen the great value in investing in apprentices. Despite having the will to do it, they're having a hard time finding people who want to join. It is a challenge um, finding tradespeople in general. I've been working for Wacon here for eight years, um, and there there is a noticeable difference in the amount of resumes that we have coming through the door. Um, So yeah, it is getting noticeably harder to find tradespeople. And this isn't unique to Waco or the construction industry. Post-pandemic, unemployment rates are at an all-time low in BC, and the construction industry is competing with other sectors like tech for new talent. I think the biggest challenge for employers is um, that they're already 
fairly stretched um, due to the lack of skilled workforce. So having the resources in place to support apprentices can be a challenge. For instance, this morning I asked uh, our guy Darcy, um, who's been in the trades of fabrication 40, 45 years, and I asked him what he thought the biggest challenge is in supporting apprentices. And he had said that we have a team of good, as smart, capable, and ambitious um, apprentices. That's half the battle. The rest you have to be able to teach, which requires the resources in place to help guide them. We have an apprentice right now who is in BCIT doing his second year of machining, and we miss him, to be perfectly frank with you, because um, very talented um, tradesperson. And um, with that being said, we then have to work around missing the hours that they're not here um, to keep the production going. Um, so that can be a challenge for employers as well to support their apprenticeships whilst they're away. Yeah, we see that as being a huge challenge right now with the industry being so busy um, and just trying to imagine employers wanting to continue to advance their apprentices through the various years towards completing their journey, but also being so busy that it's, 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 it's tough to release people when your schedule's so tight. Exactly. And you don't want to discourage your employees who are on the apprenticeship program as well. For instance, um, another apprentice met with me yesterday and uh, today in our production meeting, I'm going to bring him forward that uh, we're looking at getting him back to school and that's going to be in the new year. And that's going to be the topic of conversation in our meeting, which is going to be around, okay, well, with regards to our apprenticeship leaving, how are we going to manage that lost time, essentially? Letting your best workers off-site to study is a significant commitment from the employer, and the necessity is unique to construction. But apprenticeship itself is not unique to construction. It's just called other things in different fields. For example, if you're studying to be a doctor, you need to spend three to seven years in a residency. If you're on your path to being a lawyer, you need to spend a whole year articling. But these medical and legal apprentices complete their apprenticeship on the job after doing the classroom work first. That's not possible in construction. I asked Tara what changes she would like to see from government to help attract and retain apprentices. I firmly believe gearing the marketing towards the youth is going to be something that needs to be emphasized. So going into schools, marketing the trades to the younger generation as a really good career opportunity is the first step. I also really think we need to have more collective support across, yes, the families, but also the schools, the government and industry. When I met and I just spoke to the three gents there that are on their welding apprenticeship, there seemed to be a common thread between all three of them is that there's a lot of support from their families that really encourage them on their trades, whether that's already they're coming from a family of trades or the family sees the, the benefit and the value of being in the trades. But I suppose the question is, is how do we bring all of these groups together 
being the families, the schools, the government, and the employers. Yeah, I think that's something that is uh, the age-old question. You mentioned going into schools, and I know that our regional construction associations are, are often going into schools to make presentations to explain uh, all the wonderful and dynamic opportunities that exist within the, the skilled trades environment. And very often then by the time those kids get home and, and are excited about what they've just heard, their parents have already started to discourage them from that pathway. So it's very, uh, it's very nice to hear that there are those realizations happening within the family unit that are saying, no, you know what? Construction is proving itself to be recession proof. It's pandemic proof. Um, their skills for a lifetime and those high opportunity occupations that exist can continue to provide for families and, and individuals uh, for a lifetime. So it's, it's really encouraging to hear that from, from your crew as well. Absolutely. And not just bringing these groups together and really emphasize the narrative of trades being an excellent opportunity, um, but also look at other financial supports as well throughout the apprenticeship program, not just for the first year to entice them, but all the way through to get them to finish their apprenticeship. We here at Wacon, we do pay for their annual enrollment. So we take care of those fees. But what other subsidies could be a benefit to apprentices as well, whether it be maybe housing subsidies? Um, like a lot of um, our machining apprentices, they're leaving the Okanagan to go to the nearest school, which is Vancouver. So of course, that's a cost to them then to, out of their pocket, look at you know this extra rent that they're going to have to pay in order to finish their six, eight week program. And so is there more incentives the government could be doing um, for these apprentices that are having to travel outside of their community to finish their next level of schooling? Tara raised some important points about barriers to completing an apprenticeship. Andrew Contamelius is the owner and manager of Technicon Industries Limited in Terrace, BC. His mission is to provide work that always meets the highest standards. Um, I started off as an apprentice, actually. So I'm very familiar with the uh, apprenticeship program, something I started when I was in high school as a secondary school apprentice. So yeah, I went from an apprentice to the president, I guess you could say. And so I'm a carpenter by trade. At Technicon, Andrew has worked with apprentices who struggle to access schools in the area. So carpentry is, is pretty well established locally. And then some of the other trades have less option to attend locally. Um, so you got to be a little bit more flexible with the schedule. So the employer has to be flexible. Employee, apprentice has to be flexible. Of course, if there was more opportunity locally, it would be easier. I asked Andrew how he manages some of those challenges. Yeah, it's a juggle. So it's just having that communication between uh, you know, project managers and the apprentices, uh, just to make sure, you know, if they're a skilled apprentice, it's someone you start to rely on. We've been flexible and it seems to work out. Andrew says the lack of school options can also lead to retention and turnaround issues. So sometimes you send them away and then that might mean that they're not coming back. So if they're younger apprentices, they might be looking for a career change or they might be looking for changing where they live. So they might have a, 
an opportunity that presents them while they're away and they might look at that as, oh, I get to move away now. So they, they're not necessarily stuck to the north. So keeping people in the north is, is probably the biggest challenge, retaining them. Industry and government are working together to help employers and employees overcome some of these challenges. Earlier in the show, you heard Lisa Lacey talk about tax benefits. Here at the BCCA, we are funded by the Government of Canada Apprenticeship Service to pay up to $40,000 to an employer who registers for apprentices. We're working hard to attract new applicants for those apprenticeships as a further service to employers who are struggling to find talent. At the time of recording this episode, we've had 2,000 applicants already. And individual owners, including the ones you've heard from today, are finding their own solutions and putting those into action. Together, our hope is to make apprenticeship more accessible for everyone, from the traditional male workers to women, new Canadians, and youth. Lisa has already been able to support new apprentices through the BCCA Apprenticeship Services Program. It's been excellent. So top to bottom, just very easy, very seamless. Halal has uh, been our advisor from BCCA. He's been supportive every step of the way and proactive in answering any questions and addressing any concerns. The material provided has been excellent. And I'm really thankful for the team for focusing on not just the funding, but also recruitment of new people into the industry that are desperately needed to fill those gaps. And I think that's where we'll also see a more diverse workforce in terms of um, promoting hiring of equity-deserving groups, women, Indigenous people, LGBTQS, um, new Canadians, which is exciting for Ukrainians who might be escaping the war, and peoples with disabilities. I think it's a great opportunity to really diversify the workforce. We've had more than 2,000 applicants to the program already. That means there's talent waiting for employers like Lisa to take advantage of the BCCA Apprenticeship Services opportunity. We'll leave you with this message from Lisa. If you haven't supported apprenticeship in the past, now's the time to get in there. It's going to be paid for through the grants issued through BCCA and the province. So there is a financial reason to jump in right now and get in there. The other thing is that it really allows you to grow with your team I think it gives you that opportunity to really train a specialized team in your area of construction, and it it pays a lot of dividends to have those people there. I'm Chris Atchison, president of the BC Construction Association. This has been Inside Construction. One more thing before you go. BCCA will be attending Buildex, BC's largest industry trade show on February 15th and 16th in Vancouver, and we'd love to see you there. Stop by our Bid Central booth to learn more about our apprenticeship grants and all the other programs and services we offer. From workforce development and project opportunities to contracts and more, there's so much that we can help with. Look forward to seeing you there. <laughs>